Welcome to Puckheads. I'm Matt Rosenberg. Alongside me with Zach Smith on this Thanksgiving week edition of Puckheads. We got a lot to get into. Some injuries, some suspensions, some really nasty hits, as well as a coach firing. We'll have some special stuff later on in this episode for you as well. But the first thing I want to get into is the Robert Fortuzo hit on Victor Arvidsson on Saturday night in the game between the St. Louis Blues and the Nashville Predators. And Bertuzzo has been suspended for four games in just an absolute nasty hit. A cross-check from behind and then a second cross-check that sent Victor Arvidsson face-first into the crossbar. And Arvidsson's going to be out for four to six weeks. Bertuzzo, as uh, I mentioned, was suspended for four games, Zach. And I, I don't know what your thoughts about this, but I was absolutely flabbergasted by the... Just the dangerousness of this hit that Portuzo laid on Victor Arvidsson. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's a disgusting hit to watch because we talk about it. The game is physical. Uh, we like that physical style of play. There's nowhere in the game for this to throw a cheap shot, to throw a cross check, not once but twice, especially when the guy's on the ground already. Um, absolutely disgusting. You know, Bertuzzo has this history of kind of being a scumbag when it comes to plays like this. Um, I don't think anyone's surprised, like, man, why would this guy do it? Um, but it's just you hate to see plays like this, especially, you know, when the end result is uh, Arvidsson gets, you know, four to six weeks on the injured list. Um, you know, there's a lot of people talking about, you know, the old style of hockey and this is just a normal play and, you know, the game's getting too too soft. I don't think that's the case. We see good plays happen all the time. But a cross check not once but twice in the back um, and then he gets another another shove by Bennington because he's down injured in the crease. Um, there's really no place in the game for this. You can be physical. You can make a good hit. This is just dirty. I, I think you could actually make the case that the NHL was a little bit lenient with Robert Portuzo because of the severity of the hit and where it was. There's just, as you mentioned, Zach, there's no place for that. And I, the, the fact that people keep continuously going, oh, the old-style hockey, the old-style hockey, it's, to me, a little bit concerning and something that doesn't make sense. You know, we know about all the head injuries with these guys and, and CTE and, and, and just the dangers that, that this sport has on the human body it's right up there with the nfl in you know because of the old days and now it's you know you don't have to fight for as much space anymore stuff like that but i think it's concerning that people want an increased amount of violence into the game and are okay with robert portuzo's hit which was clearly not okay yeah absolutely i mean the game is physical um you know, there's still great hits. There's still good, clean plays that happen. Um, you and I, as much as anyone, like the physical part of hockey. But when you're talking about uh, a dangerous play, a dirty play that injures someone, um, which we've seen a, a few of these kind of cheap shots already in this early part of the season, there's no place in the game for that. Um, I think it's fine just the way, you know, the game is. You don't need that four-game suspension. Uh, very deserved for his actions. Absolutely. I, I agree, and St. Louis Blues will be without Bertuzzo for a little bit over a week. Uh, as you mentioned, I think the Nashville Predators is very lucky that Victor Arvidsson was only going to be out for four to six weeks. I mean, the way that his face went in and head went into that crossbar and his head snapping back was just very scary to see. Uh, 
I do wonder how much of a carryover is going to be. Now, the fact that Bortuzzo won't be in the game. But these teams play tonight again. And I wonder how much carryover is going to be and how much nastiness. I, I do foresee when I watch the NHL Network later tonight that there is going to be a little bit of chippiness and nastiness to this game. Absolutely. I mean, these teams already don't like each other. Um, they don't need any added bad blood between them. So um, two good teams, two physical teams. We'll see how Nashville looks to uh, possibly respond tonight as they play the St. Louis Blues. Um, that kind of brings us into our next big topic, one that we were discussing last week, and wouldn't you know it, literally about 12, 14 hours later, Mac, uh, Mike Babcock gets fired from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, this is, as we were discussing it, Matt, something that you know we thought might be coming, um, so we're not too surprised by the news, um, I'm inter- I'm interested to hear your thoughts about it. I know, you know, we were discussing it earlier, um, and I know you've got an interesting take on it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised by it. I think that Babcock did not gel with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and those kinds of guys. I, I just think for whatever reason, they didn't want to buy into Babcock's style uh, because in his post you know, like in the letter they sent out to the media after being fired, thank you, Toronto, and everything. He only thanked one player, and that was Morgan Riley. Nobody else was th- uh, thanked, and, you know, that was courtesy of ESPN.com uh, with that, and, and you, know, you could clearly find the letter and see that he only mentions one player, and that's Morgan Riley. I, I, I do think, though, that, you know, I don't know, coaches are, it's just weird. You, you know, he clearly had lost control of the locker room. And I think you're very clearly going to find out one way or the other whether or not this coaching move was good. I mean, the immediate dividends are good. They've won two in a row. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're playing better defensively. I mean, Tyson Berry has had two very nice games for the Toronto Maple Leafs since uh, Sheldon Keith came came in as the coach. And there were rumblings that Sheldon Keith was going to be the coach of the future, so, you know, which is why they want to allow him to interview with any other teams, but, but my thought is that the, the players have very clearly tuned out Mike Babcock, and whether or not that's going to be a good thing remains to be seen. Absolutely, I mean, um, again, not very surprised. Some of the shocking details about it, just when you're looking at this as an overall story for uh, Toronto, He's got four years left on the contract. He signed an absolutely massive contract. What was it? Over $50 million for eight years. Yeah, $50 million uh, exactly, I believe. Um, just, you know, a crazy hit for that. So you fire him, you know, with four years left on the contract. It's actually the third time since the start of the 2011-2012 uh, season that Toronto has made an in-season coaching change. You know, with a young team like this, you need some consistency. Obviously, it doesn't work out with Babcock, um, but when you're constantly changing coaches every couple of years, it's hard to create a culture of winning and success. It's hard to get you know players to buy in or to get free agents to want to come to your um, to your organization. You know, those are the kind of things that you have to look at um, for you know Toronto, which is a storied franchise, um, and just you know cause for concern to have that many in-season changes in the last few years. And, uh, Matt, we were talking about um, a story that 
I saw it was first reported by, I believe, someone from the Toronto Sun, um, a story that was really interesting that just wanted to bring up. There's a, apparently this story in the 2016-2017 season. Um, Toronto is, they're doing, I guess, some annual trip. Um, Mike Babcock allegedly asked one of the Leafs rookies to list the players that were currently on the team from hardest working to those who, um, you know, he thought were had the least work ethic or were the least hardworking. Um, you know, the rookie ended up doing it because you're a young player. Your coach asked you to do this. Um, he didn't want to upset the coach. And then Babcock takes the list and tells all the players how he ordered them. And it turns out um, the person who, who broke this story, and again, this is um, just what I've read. I can't say, confirm whether it's true or not. Apparently that rookie is Mitch Marner, obviously one of the guys who um, is supposed to be a cornerstone piece on this franchise. If this is true, it kind of you know, pushes the notion that um, – not only was there dysfunction with Babcock and the rest of the team, but, you know, just disdain between, you know, the relationship you're supposed to have with your coach. Um, if this story has any truth to it, it's it's pretty despicable to do something like that to a rookie, someone who you're investing a lot of money and energy into. Um, an, interesting, an interesting piece, I have a feeling we're going to find out more about, um, you know, how this organization and Mike Babcock and the players really interacted with each other. Um, I have a feeling that this is just the beginning of some of these interesting stories. Oh, no doubt. You know, these stories definitely more uh, come out more willingly after a, you know, a coach is gone. People feel like they have more freedom to throw the guy under the bus. I, I got to tell you that if Babcock did that, then that, that's a little bit concerning because I don't see how that's a great team building or motivational tool. Um, Mike Babcock is an interesting coach when you look at him. The guy has only won, you know, two Stanley Cups, and you know, one with Anaheim, and then one with Detroit. But look at who he had in Detroit. That was literally a self-gelling machine. I, I, I guess I never got, never understood. You know, while Mike Babcock, he is a fantastic coach. I never got why he was put on a pedestal above Joel Quinville so much. And, and and just because Quinville did it three times with the Blackhawks and and you know, Quinville got his teams to the Western Conference Finals five times in seven years, which is an incredible feat in the cap era. He, you know, I, I think that that's a great mistake. If you're doing that having a rookie call out a veteran or 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 stuff like that, then that's not exactly the smartest thing you can do as a coach, or, you know, rank veterans, not not necessarily call them out, but it, it, it is a interesting story. I, that's my thought, because I don't, I don't know why a veteran coach would think that that's a good move to make. Absolutely. I mean, um, if there's any truth to it, it it's a total head-scratcher. Um, I don't see how in any way that could be used to motivate the team. Um, I don't know why you would want to put a rookie in that position, Um you know, there, there's going to be a lack of chemistry when that information comes out. It just really, there, it makes no sense to it. And, um, you know, could just be the, the beginning of the reasons why it didn't work out with Babcock in Toronto. 
Absolutely. Uh, and there will be more to come on this story. But as previously mentioned, the Toronto Maple Leafs won, have won both their games since Babcock was fired. So the, an immediate jolt provided by uh, Sheldon Keith, like I said, Tyson Berry's had a couple good games for them in that streak. Uh, let's go to the hottest team in the NHL, the Dallas Stars. And they've won 13 out of their last 15. They're 13-1-1 one, one in their last 15 games. They beat the Blackhawks on Saturday in in, you know, an entertaining game, a low-scoring game. Uh, Anton Kobin was fantastic on Saturday night, as was uh, Robin Leonard in Dallas wins in the shootout. Uh, this team is rocketed off the standings. They are, you know, threatening to come closer and closer to first place. And I don't think it's a coincidence that a big part of this jolt for the Dallas Stars has been the reemergence of Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan. Absolutely. I mean, uh, it's hard to have sustained success when, you know, your two best players aren't producing. And that's really what we saw with the Dallas Stars for the first month of the season. Um, as you mentioned it, they're, you know, up there with the Islanders as, you know, one of the hottest teams in the league. Um, right, Currently second in the Central Division with 30 points, St. Louis in first with 33, so they're knocking on the doorstep there. Um you know, one of the interesting facts for me as I'm looking through um, their success, in their last six games, um, they've scored 4.17 goals. They've allowed two. Obviously, with a differential like that, you're going to have success. Ben Bishop is really starting to heat up um, on the year. And, again, that's with a rough first month. He's 8-5-1, and one, uh, giving up two and a quarter a game, a 9.26 save percentage. We knew that the – the big names of Ben and Sagan needed to produce for this team to do well, but for them to make that next step to be one of the top teams in the West and in the league overall, they needed Bishop to play um, at a level that we've seen before when he was elite. And he's starting to get back to that point now. So I think really the defense and the play of Ben Bishop is going gonna, is gonna to help them be competitive. But when you have Ben and when you have Sagan and some of these uh, veterans that they brought in start heating up the way they are, uh, it's a dangerous team, a team that we thought would be in this position uh, when we made our predictions. Well, if you look at it, and, you, you know, they get John Kleber back, they get healthy, Corey Perry's healthy. He's had some experience and some time to uh, kind of get his feet under him. You know, it makes them deeper. Miro Heiskanen, this is a good, you know, hockey club, and it just, watching them play in the first month just didn't make sense when you have, you know, a goaltender like Ben Bishop in the back. And, you know, once this team started scoring goals, then everything started clicking for the Dallas Stars, as you mentioned. And this is a team that they're able to outscore teams. They don't have to rely on winning 2-1, to one, you know, every single night. And so for the Dallas Stars, that's a really, really good thing. And it means their offense is clicking. And I think everybody, this is why you can't overreact so quickly to necessarily a horrid start at times because sometimes it takes you know teams just a little while to gel i just go back to again that 20 um the 2017 or 2016 what is it 2015 2016 no 2016 2017 national predators and think about it you know that's how you know you're getting old stuff you can't call how you want to say the year correctly uh, the National Predators, you know, who started out absolutely horrid, 
And you know they get into the playoffs, and they're able to go on that deep run from the eight seed. You know, sweep the Blackhawks and everything. So, you know, I'm not surprised that the Dallas Stars are kind of hurtling up the standings. Um, I mean, the fact that they have passed Colorado, who is kind of struggling now, is you know a good thing for the Dallas Stars because I do think this is a team that has the capability to go very deep in the playoffs. I, I, I you know, I told you that I can see the Dallas Stars and Colorado Avalanche meeting farther in the playoffs because I think that they are the two best clubs in the Central Division, although the St. Louis Blues are right there and are definitely making me change that mindset. But the Dallas Stars are putting it together at the right time, and I think it's only a matter of time before that power play gets red hot and those numbers start soaring. Absolutely. I mean, the last thing that really needs to click for them is the power play currently ranked um, number 27. You know, that's uh, really the last piece they need to put together. Their penalty kill has been fantastic. It's uh, going up the leaderboards right now. It sits at number seven. So, um, yeah, Dallas is starting to turn it around. They they went through those struggles early, but now they're gelling at the right time um, as we get into the Thanksgiving break and into the, uh, into the holiday season here. So we'll see. I'm, I was surprised that they're – at their bad start, I'm not surprised to see them where they are right now. I think they're just going to keep getting better because uh, talent-wise, they're a top-five team in the entire league. I agree. I agree with you. Uh, and, and like I said, I, I will not be surprised one bit if they uh, continue to hurdle up the standings. And, you know, like you said, they're, they're right there. And I, I think they will put some separation between the rest of the Central and, and you know, themselves and the Blues. Uh, right now, and I think it's only a matter of weeks before you start to see a little bit of separation between those two teams and the rest of the Central Division. Going to another Central Division team, the Chicago Blackhawks. Not a great week. Uh, you know, they've lost their last two, and, you know, all of a sudden, it's the team can't get the big goal, or, you know, they, they build a big hole against uh, Tampa Bay. They build a hole against uh, Dallas. And I'm sorry, they've lost three in a row now because they lost to Carolina. And they've built holes and then trying to come storming back in the third period. And then on Saturday, have a couple goals disallowed in the third period, which the strong one was absolutely a high stick. And the saw one, I have no idea how that puck, how that puck stayed out. And that, my only thought is that probably was under the goaltender, but there was no way you could have told because there was a massive humanity in the goal. So, because I don't see how Shaw doesn't hit that puck that's right on the goal line into the goal. But, nonetheless, you can't, there's no way you could possibly overturn it. And the Blackhawks lose in the shootout, so, very quickly, we're heading back to right where we were. The Blackhawks 9-9-5 through 23 games. Your thoughts, Zach? Yeah, I mean, four in a row we're talking about. Uh, the potential, you know, when they won four in a row, we're talking about their potential return to a playoff contender. Um, I made the note that I think their the six-game stretch they were about to go on through the end of November was going to make or break their season. They've lost the first three, so not a great start um, when you've got an absolute, you know, horrible, um, you know, schedule coming up when you've got Dallas again, who, you know, we mentioned is one of the hottest teams. And then you've got back-to-backs with Colorado, who uh, certainly can't be overlooked. So, um, like fun. yeah, it, it was going to be a rough stretch. We were going to see what they were made of. So far, they're showing us um, the opposite of what we wanted to see as fans. So 
right now tied for fifth in the Central. Uh, they're tied with Nashville. They've got 23 points. Um, you know, it's it's crazy. The craziest stat for me as I'm looking through, you know, what makes sense for this team is they've got a zero-goal differential. They've scored just as much as they've allowed in. Um, that's bad when you're getting outshot the way they are because you're not going to be able to sustain that. Uh, it's bad when you don't have a great power play. Um, you know, right now the offense is lacking in a way that they need Leonard and Crawford to come in and bail them out every night. And as we've mentioned, you can only do that so much. You need the rest of the team to, to step up. So we'll see how these next three games go. Um, you know, they're certainly remaining competitive, but the way they're starting their games is, is not allowing them to have any sustained success. And it's just not a winning formula to continuously ask your goaltenders to have to save 40 shots a night and bail you out because you can't play defense. And and I agree with you. It's not a winning formula. We'll see what happens. Uh, the schedule, again, is going to get a little bit crazy with some back-to-bats. And these are games you have to win if you're going to be considered a playoff contender and not a playoff pretender and, and right now the Blackhawks just seem like that's their season could be going in either way I really feel like this is just the Blackhawks you know I feel like after a quarter of the season you kind of know what you are the Blackhawks just seem like they're going to be a streaky team all year and I think it's no coincidence that after the four game win streak they've lost three in a row I just think that this that's what the season is going to be I look I, I'm making no secret that I am not a fan of Jeremy Collins and, and part of me secretly wants like an eight game losing streak so they have to fire Jeremy Collins because I just think he's a clown but you know I, I'm not exactly sure where this team is going right now and except for looking like they're going to not make the playoffs again and be in the lottery so. yeah I mean the the highs are high for them and the lows are really low so um you know, they need to sustain a little more success if they want to have a chance to compete, especially as Dallas gets better. Um, this, again, is not it's not a division that you can slack off in. The fact that they're tied with Nashville is very surprising to me because I like Nashville a lot. But, um, you know, we'll see if they can turn it around and get a little more consistent with their style of play. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see that. I, I was just looking at what this weird stat that – you know the team that's played the most games in the NHL this season so far? It's not the Blackhawks, by the way. Hmm, I'm trying to think. I mean, I've narrowed it down from four teams that went to Europe, so I'm guessing it's not four of them. Um, this team I, has played 26 games already. I don't know, the There's Blues, two of them, actually. The Blues? No, no. The Calgary Flames, who are, eh, you know, doing, they're treading water. And the Detroit Red Wings, the worst team in the NHL, has played the most games. Wow. I, it's just one that's of those shocking, odd yeah. stats that you would think a team like that's just way down there in the standings wouldn't, wouldn't be that great in, in, in terms of games played, but, but they are. All right, normally we do a power poll. I think we're going to switch it up this week because it is Thanksgiving. And, you know, you got all the side dishes and everything. You know, you go around the table. So we're going to say what we're thankful for as hockey fans. And, and we'll go one at a time. We'll, we'll just uh, switch up. It'll be like a like a fantasy draft almost. So we'll do it snake wise. So I'll do it first. Zach will do two in a row. I'll do my final two, and then Zach will end it, end it up. So the first thing I'm thankful for is that we have about six weeks until the Winter Classic, and the Winter Classic this year will not be 
in an East Coast city. It won't be one of the same five, you know, cities that host it, you know, every year. It's going to be two completely new teams, Nashville Predators versus the Dallas Stars in the Cotton Bowl. I think it's going to be an incredible atmosphere. So I am thankful that I get to watch that on New Year's Day. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a great time. Uh, the first thing I'm thankful for is, selfishly as a fan of both the Chicago Blackhawks and Pittsburgh Penguins, I feel like I've gotten to watch two of the best teams of the last uh, you know, 10 to 12 years. Um, it's, it's always great being a hockey fan in general because it's, it's been a lot of fun the last few um, Stanley Cups we've had. But to watch your two teams um, you know, be as successful as they've been, it, you don't get any more lucky as a fan that way. So that's my number one. Um, number two, and maybe this is a bit, uh, ageist of me just, you know, being in the generation we are, I'm thankful for the incredible talent we have, um, that we get to watch on a daily basis, on a nightly basis. Um, obviously each generation has their own top players. Um, the game changes and, and things are different from what they used to be, but, you know, to watch the McDavid's and the Crosby's, Ovechkin, Stamkos, uh, you know, Kane and, and Pasternak. And then, you know, that's not even touching on, you know, the great defenders or goalies. We've had a great amount of talent to watch the last five years, especially with these young players. Um, thankful that, you know, the game continues to be competitive and thriving in that way, and uh, you really can't get any luckier than some of the talent we have right now. All right, and so those are your first two. I'll go with my second one. Uh, I'm thankful for Connor McDavid highlights. <laughs> Because nothing makes me happier than watching Connor McDavid make grown men who have the same skill set as him look like they're in quicksand. I think it is one of the most hilarious things uh, to watch Connor McDavid literally just zip around people. It is insane. It is incredibly entertaining to watch. I am thankful for Connor McDavid highlights, which happen the same every game. You see Connor McDavid highlights. Him and Leon Dreisaitl are just running roughshod through the league this year. And finally, I'm thankful for Joe Quinville and the job that he's doing in Florida. Uh, he is doing an incredible job. He has his team in second place in the Atlantic Division after a horrid start. And believe it or not, this team is one of the worst at goal prevention. And a lot of that has to do with the whole first month when Sergei Bobrovsky was horrendous. But these Florida Panthers, they're improving. They're going to be a dangerous team. And I'm thankful that we get to see Joe Quinville back in the NHL coaching doing what he's doing, and showing why he's one of the best coaches in the league. He's only got, like, another 10 seasons to catch Scotty Bowman on the all-time wins list, but I, I am thankful that we get to see that. The guy is just an amazing, amazing coach. Absolutely. Much love for Coach Q. Uh, my third, just to, to, to be a bit more, uh, I don't know, soft about it, just what hockey is, uh, means to, you know, both Matt, you and I as fans of the game, um, we met through hockey, what was it, at least 10 years ago, uh, maybe even longer than that. I'm, longer. I'm afraid, I'm afraid to, to actually do the math as we get older. Um, I was, yeah. I was going to say, I, I think I knew you before the fifth through eighth grade league. Yeah. it's. I don't remember a, if a I refed you in third or fourth grade. Or, it's, it's did I ref you in kindergarten? It's, I don't even want to think about when did you When did age. you start playing Woodward floor hockey? Um, that would be second grade for me. Okay. So if I'm doing the math, that means I'm I probably ref you in second grade. There's a good chance. I mean, so you know. Hockey, well, wait, you're older than Jordan, right? By a year. By a year. Yeah. Okay. So you you graduated in from high school in what? 
2013. 13. 2013. 13. Well, I think Jordan graduated in 14. I honestly don't know when Jordan graduated. So it probably was like 2005 that you and I met. Maybe. Yeah. Around I don't know. I've known you. Okay, for anybody who doesn't know, I've known Zach since he was like a young boy. And, and I am, you know, what, seven years older than you or something like that. So, I mean, I've known you a long time. It's been a long time. A long time, and I've ref many of your games, especially in the fifth or eighth grade level. Anytime that you play my brothers, I can say I probably ref you for the most part, unless I was away at college and, you know, when you guys played. But, yeah, I mean, I've known Zach a long time. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, go ahead, continue on. So, yeah, just uh, thankful for what the sport of hockey means to, you know, the friendships that we've created, um, you know, the relationships with our families being big hockey families, um, you know, all the great people we've met, all the great fans that we get to interact with. Um, just thankful for the sport overall. Obviously, all sports bring people together. Um, hockey has a special place in our heart, and, uh, you know, it's one of those things that not to be uh, cheesy about it, but you got to be thankful for, for the sport itself. So that's my number three for our uh, power pole thankful hockey edition. I like it. I liked it. It was a little bit different. That's fun, and I like it. You know, you went a little bit soft, and you went big picture. I like that. I like that. That's, you know, we both had different tapes on what we're thankful, and I think that that's what makes it cool and what makes this a wonderful, wonderful sport. All right, we got a few minutes left. Uh, let's go to our players of the week, and Zach, I'll let you start this time. Yeah, my my player is uh, someone we've mentioned already today and on a team that we've mentioned, Jamie Benn. Um, absolutely fantastic as he's starting to turn his season around. Four points in three games this week, uh, three goals and assist, obviously on a big win streak. Um, you know, he's been fantastic part of the turnaround, and he's my player of the week. All right, and my player of the week, who I believe I picked McDavid last week, actually. Uh, I'm picking him again. Connor McDavid, he had seven points in four games. He had four goals and three assists. And, Zach, the last time that he did not record a point was November 2nd against the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's over three weeks ago. And that is, he's on a 11-game point streak, I believe, if I count that correctly. And, I mean, Connor McDavid is just ridiculous. An 11-game point streak. Uh, believe it or not, he does not lead the NHL in points. That goes to his line mate, Leon Dreisaitl. But they both, Leon Dreisaitl has 48, McDavid has 47. Nobody else has even 40 in the league. Connor McDavid, and Jeff Jodiak would say, you are ridiculous. Yeah, that that guy is so good. Um, Again, I'm, I'm willing to say best player in the game today. Um... You know, there's some great talent. I think he's heads and shoulders above everyone else. I would say best player with a caveat. He's got to get. He needs more postseason success, though. Um, before I anoint him the best player in the game, you got to have more postseason success. And and you know, I feel like that's kind of a cheap kind of cop out because I argue against that that you could be a great player. But I, I just I want to see him in the playoffs more. I don't. You don't necessarily need to be. Um. You know, going deep in the playoffs. Yeah, I just you need to get to the playoffs more than once in your career, and so that that was my whole argument. You get there, there's things out of your control. Like you, you can't be held solely responsible for team success. But I, I would agree in terms of individual player, absolutely best player. Um, I'm not willing to put him in the best you know player if you're looking at the whole scope uh, team wise yet, just because 
he has been in the playoffs. And a lot of that is not his fault at all. You know, he can't control that they can't figure out a defense. Yeah, so. fair assessment on him. Um, I think we can both agree he's ridiculous. He is <laughs> absolutely disgusting to watch out there turning grown men Connor into McDavid little boys and their skill level. It's incredible. Connor McDavid highlights just make you feel warm inside. You know, it, it, like you could give the just the the worst curmudgeon in the world. Make him watch Connor McDavid highlights. I guarantee you, you'll see a tear come out of his eye. Yeah, I would agree. So, all right. Um, let's go to our game of the week. And that's when I was looking at the games. A lot of games tonight on Monday night as we record this. A lot on Wednesday. Normally, there's only two or three. That's because of Thanksgiving. And there's only like one game at Thanksgiving. I think it might. Actually, I'm not sure if it's in Canada, but um, I will look that up while you're going through yours. But I'll go through mine. Florida Panthers at the Washington Capitals, two of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Wednesday night, what a great way to go into your Thanksgiving than watching Quinville versus Ovechkin. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a great game. You mentioned it, some good ones tonight, Monday night and Wednesday night. I want to say New Jersey's heading to Montreal for that Thanksgiving game. I think they're the two teams playing. Yeah, I think it's in Canada. It's usually an American team that goes up to Canada. Yeah, so that'll be a good game. Um, Yeah, obviously we switched our power poll out for our our thankful poll. Um, So I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my uh, absolute – you know, hatred and and love affair for the Washington Capitals. They're still so good. That's going to be a great game. Uh, The game that I picked for the uh, game of the week, Friday night, 6.30 p.m., Nashville Predators go to the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Carolina is still putting together a good season. Nashville a little bit disappointing, but these are two teams that I think uh, are exciting to watch. Um, I love that Carolina is bringing that uh, passion and that fun that they had last year, you know, into, um, you know, what they're doing this year. I don't know if you saw it. I think they did. They played on Halloween, and when they won, their celebration was someone stood in the in the box, and, uh, you know, they went trick-or-treating. Everyone went, <laughs> and they dumped candy into, their, into their, their brain buckets. Um, this team's fun to watch. Pecorine is absolutely phenomenal for Nashville, so I just think it's going to be a fun game. A uh, good way to celebrate uh, all your Black Friday shopping with some Friday night hockey. All right. Yeah, absolutely. You'll get your shopping done, get your uh, everything with family, and then watch hockey Friday night. All right. And you know what? Because it is going to be Black Friday and shopping. I, I think we need to find ways to make people some money here. And that means it's time for Smith's Hits. So they'll have some extra spending money for Black Friday. Absolutely. Um, you know, shop those great deals. After you bet on some good NHL games, um, podcast picks for the season ten and seven after last week. Overall sixteen and eleven, uh, so we're feeling good about some of these picks. Uh, typically Tuesday for the Tuesday games, I'll pick three. Um, there's only three games tomorrow, and I I didn't really like. Uh, I believe New Jersey and Minnesota are playing. That just feels a little unfair to pick a game for. Uh, so I only picked two. Rematch from Saturday night. Dallas heads to Chicago. The over-under is at five and a half. I just think the way that um, the netminders are playing for both teams, take the under there. Uh, I could see another 2-1 game, a 3-2. Um, should be a good, competitive, low-scoring game. I'm assuming it'll be Crawford and Bishop in I, that. I think so. Sure. So, you know, what can you ask for out of a better goalie matchup than that? Um, so take the under at five and a half points. The other game, Boston at Montreal. Montreal is plus one. Um, you know, 
I had them in my power pole last week because they've been so hot. They've dropped uh, four in a row. I think they're coming back down to reality. Boston's still one of the best teams in the league. Uh, Boston at minus one, even though you're not getting the points, I think they're a good uh, pick there. I just don't see it being close with the way both teams have been playing lately. So only two picks this week. Um, but, yeah, that's Smith's hits. All right, Smith's hits. A little uh, leader portion, you know. You want to watch your portions around Thanksgiving. So, so we understand that here. Yeah, uh, um, anyway, you know, that's all the time we have for. Uh, we want to wish everybody a happy and safe Thanksgiving. Uh, if you're traveling, be safe and uh, just enjoy time with your family. That's what this holiday is about. It's one of my favorite. It is my favorite holiday of the year. So, uh, But for Zach, I'm Matt. We will see you guys next week. It will be December already. We'll have some fun with the December edition of Puckheads. Have a great week, and have a great Thanksgiving, everybody.